it been 20 days since I've done a podcast episode? Also, why the hell has it been 20 days since I've done a podcast episode? My name's Andy Sullivan. You're listening to Blendertainment. Um, as of, let's see, um, I'm just going to do an episode November 12th of, wait a minute, this is November it's the 13th. Um, uh, playing catch up, rest in peace, Richard Roundtree and Matthew Perry. Um, UK basketball has started off. Well, it, um, It has started off with a bang, um, and we are getting right into it, because Tuesday at 8.30, we have Kansas. Now, as of now, I, no, nobody knows what we're going to see, um, we... Schedule up here. Um, here we go. Um, we have. Um, we are two and zero. We defeated. New Mexico State, 86-46. And Texas A&M Commerce, 81-61. And Tuesday night, we've got Kansas at the United Center in the late game, 8-30. It is on ESPN. And three days later, we have Stonehill. I'm not familiar with them. 6 p.m. Friday night on SEC Network Plus. So, we go from a nationally televised game to a game that most of us probably won't be able to see. So, that's going to be fun. Um, Okay, um... Kentucky football. Let's go to that. Although there's really nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to tell there because um, the Kentucky football team is well. We hope to improve the r- Russian attack in South Carolina. God, I hope to hell we do because. Um, We are on a, let's see, we lost to Missouri, we lost to Tennessee, beat Mississippi State, got our ass kicked by Alabama, um, that was the last one, um, two games left in the season versus South Carolina, Saturday night, 6.30 on SEC Network, and the next week, against Louisville, that is TBA, 
next up um, Will Levis for the Titans he was the second rookie quarterback with four touchdowns in a single game on the 11-11 game um Second only to Marcus Mariota, and we all know how Mariota fared at Tennessee. Hope to God that Will Levis is better, although he did kind of fall off the next few games. But then again, so have the Titans falling off the next few games. They are three and six, so yeah, we're not going anywhere. Titans aren't going anywhere. Um, Xfinity 500 from Martinville. Um, Denny Hamlin. Blaney went stage two. You know, it's funny because Blaney went stage two because Blaney went on to win the national championship. As a matter of fact, he won the race. He won the Xfinity 500. He won the last race to get in to the championship. And he won the championship. It was um, one of the youngest fields. Uh, Christopher Bell was 28. Kyle Larson, 31 years old. William Byron, 25 years old. And Ryan Blaney, 28 years old. Um, the 57th annual CMA Awards were Wednesday, November 8th. The winners, that is last Thursday, or last Wednesday, rather, the winners were Single of the Year, Fast Car by Luke Combs, Song of the Year, Fast Car, Luke Combs, songwriter Tracy Chapman. Now, if you don't know, Tracy Chapman was the first. She wrote and released that song in 1988. And it was one of Luke Combs' favorite songs, so he figured he would cover it. First time I heard the cover um, actually was... Um, believe it's stagecoach performance this past summer before it was even released and I didn't know that he was doing that regularly in concerts I just thought and I sure didn't know he was going to release it I just thought that he was playing it because you know artists cover pop songs country artists cover pop songs and other songs, pop songs, other country songs in their concerts all the time. So I thought that was what that was. The rest of the CMAs, um, Vocal Duo of the Year, Brothers Osborne. Vocal Group of the Year, Old Dominion. This is their sixth win in a row, win in a row in that category. Jelly Roll, one new artist. Um, album of the Year, Lainey Wilson for Bell Bottom Country. It's her first win for Album of the Year. Um, strike one for Ballerini's Low, Bo- Low Blow EP. 
Female Vocalist of the Year, Lainey Wilson, wins her second Female Vocalist of the Year and second award of the night. Male Vocalist, Chris Stapleton, was his second win for Male Vocalist of the Year. Entertainer of the Year, Lainey Wilson. Um, Hardy and Morgan Wallen performed John Deere Green in memory of the late Joe Diffie. Morgan Wallen and Post Malone performed Pickup Man. Between the awards, there were excellent performances by Luke Combs with his new single, Where the Wild Things Are. Chris Stapleton, Jordan Davis performed Next Thing You Know, Lady Wilson sang her new hit, Wildflowers and Wild Horses. Uh, the Jimmy Buffett tribute was given by Kenny Chesney and Mac McAnally playing A Pirate Looks at 40, and Alan Jackson and Zach Brown covering Margaritaville, and It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. Megan Maroney and Old Dominion sang a new duet called Can't Break Up Now. Um, let's see. Uh, that's some more sports. Jimbo Fisher got fired from Texas A&M. And now we will go to Full Gear Preview. The full gear card is as follows. Um, it is headlined by MJF defending the world championship against Switchblade Jay White. I almost called him Slingblade Jay White. I know that's not right. Um, Let's see. First, let's start out with Zero Hour, the the ROH Tag Team Championships, MJF, and a mystery partner defend against the Guns. Now, I think that mystery partner is going to be Samoa Joe, and I think that because lately Joe has kind of been angling to serve as backup. MJF. Now, the reason he needs backup is because a while back Adam Cole needed surgery. Although, is that surgery just a ruse for someone as going around in AEW with the devil mask on? And everybody thinking it's MJF. But there's a lot of things, names going around actually. And one of those names is Adam Cole. Could it be Adam Cole? Could Adam Cole be revealed as the devil? Could it be Adam Cole? That is a dark shot. A dark shot. A dark horse long shot. I don't think it's going to be Copeland. Um, 
I think it... Honestly, I think it could be MJF. Because, you know, that's... He kind of goes along with... uh, I mean, he calls himself the devil. So... Why couldn't it be him? So he's got the ROH title match against the guns on Zero Hour. And I think, like I said, I think it'll be Joe as his tag team partner. And if if Joe if Joe is the partner I think the two of them retain those titles. And then after the match Joe well no Joe will have to save MJF from Jay White, probably. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho against the Young Bucks. Um, How about this? How about Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks have a three-on-one beatdown of Chris Jericho how about Kenny Omega turns on Jericho and there's a three on one could happen and that's kind of what I'm predicting Sting Darby Allen and Adam Copeland against Christian Cage Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne um six mans are hard to predict this is only Copeland's if I'm right, let's see. This is this this is only Copeland's second match in AEW, I believe. He um He faced Luchasaurus and I'm thinking he pins Christian Cage and he eventually gets a TNT title shot and wins that. I, even though that's, he says he doesn't want that, but come on, no better than that, don't we? The Texas, uh, the Texas Death Match, Hangman Page versus Sir Swerve Strickland. Um, well, um, Swerve, you know, they did the they did the home invasion angle with Swerve, where he invaded Hangman's house. Um, and it would be crazy to think that they wouldn't have any get have get back and revenge. That said, their positioning swerve for an eventual world title run. I'm thinking. Okay, actually, here's what I'm thinking. Um, This is the rubber match.
or no, this is the second match, isn't it, between Hangman and Swerve. Hangman wins this match, and Swerve wins the championship from MJF at some point. Spoiler alert, because so that's going to mean MJF beats Jay White. But, okay, so see, eventually, we're going to see Swerve beating MJF for the AEW World Championship. And in turn, we will then eventually see Hangman Page defeat Swerve to reclaim the AEW Championship. See, I'm thinking ahead here. Um, AEW TBS Championship Chris Statlander versus Julia Hart versus either Red Velvet or Sky Blue. I think it's going to be Sky Blue because they're pushing her pretty hard and she's got a thing going with Chris Statlander and she's kind of she was for a while under the spell of Julia Hart in House of Black but then she wasn't. Um, I think that if they're going to pull the trigger on Julia Hart to be champion, they need to do it at full gear. I pick Julia Hart to be the TBS champion at full gear. Speaking of champions, I don't know, here we go. AEW Women's Champion is next. Hikaru Shida defending against Timeless Tony Storm. Well, um, I think Tony Storm takes it. I think this gimmick, this uh, old school, this old Hollywood gimmick she's got, she's hit on something here, and now she's got a manager or a butler or whatever. He's going to play a role in a lot of her matches and help her get a lot of her wins, I'm thinking. So, yeah, Tony Storm is going to be your new AEW Women's Champion. AEW World Tag Team Championships. Ricky Starks and Big Bill defending against La Faction and Goblinable and FTR and the Kings of the Black Throne. Um... I'm going to throw out FDR because they got a problem with, well, everybody's got, everybody in that match has a problem with each other, Um, but I'm going to throw out FTR just because they've been there. I think Starks and Big Bill, I think they retain just because I don't think their story's over yet, and eventually... Big Bill will turn on Ricky Starks, but we're not there yet. I mean, I'm thinking Big Bill Ricky Starks is AEW's version of Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Surely I'm not the only one who has thought that. 
AEW International Champion Orange Cassidy will get his ass handed to him by John Moxley. In the AEW World Championship, somehow, some way, MJF will successfully defend against Jay White. You know, when when this match was announced, I I knew I swore up and down. I I said I immediately said, "Well, they're giving Jay White the title," but. Now, now I don't know. Um, I'm gonna pick MJF to retain. Could be, could be wrong, but uh, I'm picking MJF to retain. Now the next week is Survivor Series War Games on November 25th. And that one... The War Games match is Judgment Day versus Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, and Sami Zayn. One great thing about having so many factions on your roster is that they're built for matches like this. The Judgment Day will taking be taking on a list of names they've been in the business over the past year over the past few months including World Heavyweight Champion who Damian Priest has been targeting as of late with winning the bank contract. Now the Judgment Day is um, Damian Priest Finn Balor J.D. McDonough, but they needed another man. Now, it looks like that other man is going to be Drew McIntyre. Because he's been he's been kind of chummy with the Judgment Day. He's been their higher hand, I guess you could say. So, yeah, he's he's going to be the man. Intercontinental Championship, Gunther versus The Miz. <laughs> Good lord. This ought to be a hell of a match, but Gunther's retaining. Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. Stark was one of the four women defeated by Ripley in the fatal five-way five way for the title at Crown Jewel. But she bounced back quickly by winning a battle royal the next night on Raw, earning a title shot in the process. Notably, Roman Reigns is not scheduled for the show. Like I said, there have been rumors, rumors that were confirmed Monday night, that Drew McIntyre would be added to the Judgment Day's team in the War Games match, and WWE is heavily setting up damage control. Versus a babyface team of Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and who? 
I'll tell you who. Becky Lynch, that's who. I like, um, I like how the card's shaping up so far. I do. And, um, I think we're gonna see two good weekends of some great wrestling. Um, so, check out those pay-per-views. Or, premium live events, or whatever you want to call them. And, um, as far as TV goes, uh, what I've been watching, I just started the Frasier reboot on Paramount+. Plus. They are, I think there's six episodes into it, and we've watched two or three. I like it. It's, it's just as good. I like, um... I like I always like the old Frasier. It was a good show. And um I think if you like that one you're gonna like this one too. So check that out on Paramount Plus. Music wise, um if you haven't already and if you don't know them, um check out the Dolly Rots. They are a punk band they are an American punk band formed in 2000 conform or composed of wife Kelly Ogden on bass and lead vocals and husband Louis Capisis guitar and background vocals they released six studio albums and are currently working on their own label Arrested Youth Records. They have also released albums under Panic Button, Joan Jett's Blackheart Records, and Little Steven's Wicked Cool Records. Bassist and lead vocalist Kelly Ogden and guitarist Louis Capisis have known each other since the beginning of 8th grade in Lando Lakes, Florida. They both attended New College of Florida where they formed a band called No Chief with friends Josh Harold and Mike Bimbo Bimbo Ogden and Capisas played guitar while Harold was bassist lead vocalist and Bimbo was the drummer Capisas described the subject matter of their songs as being about ninjas, zombies and Charles Manson God I gotta hear some of that can't imagine after being disillusioned with the results of the 2000 presidential election, Ogden and Capisas decided to make the band full-time, as Ogden recalls. We were watching the 2000 presidential election results, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, when we found out George W. Bush had won, Lewis and I were like, the world's probably going to end anyway, and I don't want to go to med school, so we thought, let's just do the band, says Ogden. So that's what happened. We had no future anyways, so let's just be in the rock band. Josh Harold did not want to become a full-time musician, so he left the band. Ogden took over his duties on bass and lead vocals. Mike Benbow left and was replaced by Frank Beasley. The band then changed their name to the Dolly Rots. The band from 
the band left Florida and visited various cities across the USA, finally setting, settling in Los Angeles in January 2002. Ogden described Los Angeles as having everything we needed, record labels, venues, other bands. It seemed like the right place. Beasley left the band and was replaced, and was replaced by Josh Valenti. In 2003, the band self-recorded and released an EP, Feed Me, Pet Me. Responding to a blind audition call, the Dollarots were selected to appear in a Hewlett-Packard advertisement featuring the song Feed Me, Pet Me, which led to a to signing a publishing deal with Windswept Pacific, later acquired by B&G. After meeting producer John Fields at the commercial recording session the band recorded their debut solo album eat my heart out soon afterward at capitol studio b with fields at the helm initially self-released the album was put into rotation on la's nd 103.1 along with spins on rodney bingenheimer show on k-rock k-r-o-k this attracted the attention of labels and ultimately, the Dollarites decided to deal with Panic, but- Panic Button under Lookout Records in July 2004 to widely release Eat My Heart Out. Josh Valenti left in early 2004, replaced by Amy Wood of Get Set Go. Eat My Heart Out was released by Panic Button Lookout Records on September 28, 2004. The Dollarots spent the majority of 2004 to 2006 touring the U.S., headlining dates alongside Gru Ghoulies, Shonen Knife, The Breeders, The Queers, Soul Asylum, Paramore, Bang Sugar Bang, The Soviets, The Shocker, Teenage Bottle Rocket, while also playing the Lookout Records. 2005 CMJ Showcase. Banco starred in headline two songs in the Stuck on You episode of CSI New York in February 2006, with Ogden playing a role involving a murder committed with a bass guitar. The band started working on their second album at CD on the Underbelly Studios in Los Angeles with producer Jacques Waite in February 2006, but were forced to find a new label due to problems with Lookout Records. Kelly Ogden stated, We started recording and then had everything ready. Then Lookout went out of business for all intents and purposes. They had troubles with Green Day and financial problems, and they pretty much told all of us to go find a new label. Collection of songs at the time more, at the time titled More Biting Please was never released, although several tracks were initially included, included on the ensuing album. The band re-entered the studio in spring of 06 and finished what what would become Because I'm Awesome at the Doghouse Studio with John Felds as producer. While on Van's Warped Tour later that summer, Ogden gave a copy of the band's self-released EP, Love and Revolt, to Joan Jett 
co-founder of the Black of Blackheart Records, who had taken liking to the band while on tour. Ogden also gave copies of the disc to NOFX's Fat Mike and Laura Jane Grace of Against Me, but did not receive a response. Drummer Amy Wood left the band shortly thereafter. Wood suggested that Ogden and Capesis ask mutual friend Chris Black to replace her. With the album already tracked and mixed, Blackheart contacted the band a few weeks later and signed the Dollarots in September 2006. Their second album, Because I'm Awesome, was released on March 13, 2007 through Blackheart Records and coincided with an appearance at South by Southwest where the band played I Love Rock and Roll on stage with Joan Jett. A review in the webzine Pop Matters noted that the Dollarite sound is the same as it ever was with clever, catchy lyrics around a track of straightforward chugging pop punk. Well, the title track was described in words, a hit, a hit song is what separates one band from a thousand others. The Dollar Rots gained acclaim with their song Because I'm Awesome. It's an appropriate tune for the sardonic punk pop band from Los Angeles to gain early entry into the national stage. Um, Because I'm Awesome went on to be featured in a Coles commercial during the fall of 2007 where the band made her appearance with the premise of inspiring teenagers to pick up instruments and start a band. The Dolly Rots appeared as as themselves on ABC family TV show Greek playing Because I'm Awesome on screen in the Multiple Choice episode. Band also guested on Fuse TV's The Sauce and embarked on a long series of live shows throughout the United States, including Los Angeles Pride, Hudson River Rocks, and the Del Mar Fair and Warp Tour. The band opened for Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Adolescence, Methadones, Peelander X, and Label Mates, The Vacancies during this time. 2008 saw the band continue to tour the United States extensively, opening for The Start, Shonen Knife, and Paramore, while again playing Warp Tour with Summerfest and the BMI Showcase at South by Southwest. The band also recorded the a, recover, a cover of Joan Jett's Bad Reputation with John Fields for the Endless Bummer movie soundtrack. In June, in January 2009, <clears throat> excuse me, in January 2009, the band began pre-production with producer Chris Testa for the third album. A little messed up. The majority of the album was recorded between March and June 2009 in Los Angeles at Stag Street Studios and featured Chris Black and Amy Wood on drums. 
It marked the first time Cabezas assumed production and recording duties, contributing elements to many of the tracks. Um, we go to in 2011 and 12. Releasing EPs, 15. Um, and if you want, and let's see, uh, band members, Kelly Ogden, guitar, backing vocals from 01, from 2001, and bass and lead vocals, 01 to present. Louis Pieces, guitar and background vocals from 2000 to present. Um, other members, Josh Harold, bass lead vocals, 2000 to 2001. Mike Benbow, drums, 2000 2001. Frank Beasley, drums, 2001 2002. Josh Valenti, drums, 02 to 04. Um, Amy Wood, 04 to 06, 09 and 13. Chris Black, drums, backing vocals, 06 to 011. Alicia Warrington, drums, 11 to 12. James Carmen, drums, backing vocals, 2012 to 14. Stacy Jones, drums, 2013. Hex of Lar, drums, 2014. Mel Funk, drums, 2014. Mickey Richards, drums, 2014. Ricky Six, drums, 2014 to 18. Justin McGrath, drums, 2018 to 2023. Noah Levy, drums, 2019 and Aches of Alar drums 2023 to present. Um, I'm gonna end this week talking about something that happened last Wednesday. Now, I wasn't gonna say a thing about this um actually i thought about putting in my beat tree column but i thought well i'll just do it on my podcast because um well pissed me off real bad and um i was fine with it well not fine with it but bear with it after talking to a friend of mine um a day later, um, people have gotten really ballsy, and it sucks sometimes. I was, um, I was sitting in Barnes and Noble, reading, eating my, or drinking my drink, minding my business, that's kind of, um, it's kind of my go-to when I like uh, go somewhere, uh, go to Bowling Green with uh, mom. She'll drop me off. I'll uh, I go with her to 
doctor or something. She drops me off. Um, I do that while she getting a haircut or something like that. Well, this day, um, I was just minding my business, reading my Cat's Paw of the Year book and listening to my, listening to, um, Happy Rock on Sirius XM on my AirPods. Then this, um, this bitch comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, um, did you take a picture of me? I said, no. She said, you took a picture of me. I know you did, and I want to see it. I said, no. She said, let me see your pictures. So let me see your phone. Said, Hell no, you're not seeing my phone. Let me see your phone. So, okay, now I got pissed, right? So... I didn't give her my phone because that would be stupid. Give someone else your phone. Never do that. Give a stranger your phone. That's just, no. So I said, okay. Alright. I pulled up my photos. And I turned my phone where the screen was facing her. And I said, okay. Look, no picture of you was taken and I don't know satisfied or whatever but she is she didn't say a word because she probably I mean probably hates to be proven wrong so she just um, turns and walks off uh, all right screw you then um so my deep-seated um distrust of people got fed on this afternoon so yeah she um and and here's something you don't do I went home that night, still pissed. Um, I posted on Twitter about it, and some jackass responded with, well, you gotta look at this from her side. And then he went on, and I thought, the fuck I do? So, um, dude got blocked after I read that. I didn't even reply. He got blocked. Because, no. No. Homie don't play it. Um, so yeah, that was, um... That was that experience, and um, so yeah, that's that. That was that great. 
So if anybody else ever has an experience like that or has ever had an experience like that, I'm sorry. My sympathies. I can sympathize. I've been there now. Um, like I said, this is why I don't open up a lot. Because more often than not, doesn't end very well. And I thought... So I usually sit over in the corner by myself or something. Um, I had sat over in the corner, but um, I'd gone to the bath or I'd gone some in the bathroom or something, and uh, come back and I sat in the middle. Should went back in the corner, I guess. But anyway, that is that. Um, And that is the end of my podcast for the week. Everyone have a good week. Um, I hope something like that doesn't happen to you. Um... (laughs) Be kind, be cool, be courageous. Um, kind of hard for me to say be kind after last what happened last week. But anyway, whatever. Hopefully, uh, nobody has that kind of experience and. As to the chick who did that, wherever you are, eh, I don't care. Um, well, that's um, that's in my podcast this week. Um, hope y'all have a great rest of the week, and I will catch back up with you probably after full gear this weekend. Um, I'll try not to be MIA as much. Um, I think it had been a few weeks since my last pod episode. I will, like I said, I'll try to, I'll try to be more regular with it and, um, catch y'all next week. Peace out.